Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with DMAC and Grant McGuinness of Zeolite, a deathcore band from Australia. Zeolite just released their newest full-length album, Proselytism, on October 29th. Zeolite has performed and kept up with the likes of Psychroptic, Chelsea Grin, Black Dahlia Murder, To the Grave, among many others. Guys, welcome, and thank you for spending this time with me. Hi, mate. Thanks for having us. No problem. Yeah, thanks for having us. So first off, I do want to apologize for keeping you guys in your car. I know it's pretty hot there. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fine. It's just uh, it's too loud where I am at the moment, so I need to... Understandable. Get into a place where it's... Less, less loud. Yeah, it's all right. I'm inside with air conditioning, so you're, it's only one of us that are, you know, suffering. I'm fine. I, I, I can, I'm I, not suffering with the aircon on. It's all good. <laughs> not yet, Can't at least. Can't water. Yeah. Not yet, yeah. Until your petrol runs out. Ah, no, nah, full tank, mate. Full tank. <laughs> <laughs> so Australia has made the, quite the headlines over here in Canada with their COVID restrictions. How do you guys feel about everything over there? Uh, I think um, it's a kind of a weird one, like... A lot of it's like, I think it probably cracked up a bit more than it really is. Like I see a lot of things over in other countries, like especially in America about like, oh, you know, like making us do crazy shit, like we're getting barcoded and stuff like that. It's like, it's not <laughs> like it's not that bad. Like it's essentially the reason why we have such stringent rules is because when you get COVID with, if you have the vaccine, right, you still have the symptoms, you still share it around, but it's not as extreme. So I think the reason why it's so uh, stringent is so if I was to catch COVID while I'm double vaccinated, I could just go around giving it to all the unvaccinated people. And then, you know, before you know it, hospitals fill up with the unvaccinated people because I don't know I'm sick because I don't get as harsh a reaction to it. So I think that's kind of where we're towing the line at the moment. So just try and keep, because Australia is quite a small population for such a large country, it's really a large balance of trying to keep everyone from flooding the hospitals because we don't really have the resources to handle large scale like uh, like sickness, unfortunately. I guess one could argue like the the whole point of the vaccine is to keep uh, things from becoming kind of more restricted, but at the same time, it's something that they have to take into consideration is stuff like location, uh, access to resources and, and other things like that. Well, we can all still go like if if in Australia, like if or in my state, especially in Victoria, if you're double vaccinated, we can still do everything now. I can go out to a movies. Their be- mm-hmm. shows have no capacity anymore and stuff like that. Like, there's no restriction there at all. Uh, there's only restrictions on people that aren't uh, double vaccinated. And even then, like that's not that's that's just mostly like social things. Like you can still go shop, you can still even like shop retail and stuff like that. It's just more like food places and stuff where you um you know germs are spread around a lot easier. The, the kind of places where you're not allowed to go currently without the double vaccination. But I think even that changes once we hit ninety percent, because then it's kind of a well, that's as as much protection as you can afford people. And if they don't want to get it, then that's the rest is up to them. Yeah, exactly. Um, despite these restrictions, you guys were—you um, guys not only released proselytism this year, but you guys worked around the restrictions in order to do so. Yeah, well, we're kind of—we're lucky as, um, like, as I said, Australia is very large, and our members kind of already lived interstate, so we've been quite used to just doing everything remotely for quite a while. Like, our drummer is from uh, Adelaide, which is, you know, like an eight-hour flight away from where we live in Victoria. Uh, not an eight-hour flight, eight-hour drive. 
And then um, our, our basis lives in uh, Queensland, which is a 20-hour drive from where we live. So it's a lot of uh, remote process <laughs> already as it stands. Yeah. So like it wasn't too hard to, to change it. Like we mostly do... 90% of it between the guitarists as it comes to writing and recording all that stuff. And then we'll send it off to the other guys and say, hey, should we change this? Should we change that? Usually usually we'll do like a pre-pro cycle and get everyone together and then decide what we want to change. So that's probably the only part that's kind of changed in our recording uh, the recording sequence. But apart from that, luckily for us specifically, it wasn't too much of a change. That's good. So um, I didn't quite hear, but do you guys practice remotely then, like at the same time? Or is no, well, or we, we play, that, we like, play to a, uh, a click track. Yeah. So like we just practice to our click tracks at home. And then when we play live, we've got in-ear monitors. So we just play to pretty much the same thing live as we're playing to at home. Like we'll do a band practice or two before a show. And, yeah. Like we'll meet up and do that. But we mostly just, yeah, uh, practice to that click track. And then the click track is gospel when we play live. It's pretty crazy. Is it, um, for pretty much most of my, I think all of my guests that I've chatted with, um, I think all of them play with click tracks. Do you know of any bands that don't or any people that don't? Oh, it's more like, like hardcore bands and like stuff like doom bands that, or even like rock bands and stuff that have, you know, a bit of vibe and feel where it's not so robotic. You know, if you have to improvise something, it doesn't really matter. I think it's just, yeah, mostly the, the super fast technical stuff where I think it's almost like a necessity, especially like if, if, especially if you have samples, you have to have a click track for at least the drummer. Otherwise, unless he's Ken Bedine from aborted, like you're just going to go out of time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I haven't, for the few shows I've played, I I didn't use any in-ears or click tracks. Yeah, but you, so, you you play to us though, so that's the bit of yeah. It's, it's a bit easier. Yeah, easier for me. Yeah. Interesting. We were sort of talking before about the meaning behind your record, and your album seems to be a is seen as to be an allegorical storytelling of different instances of proselytism. And can you tell us what specifically you guys are trying to address or speak to on the new album? I think it's just it's kind of uh, like I'd say like. Maybe not like there's this, there's not really a song by song like oh this is about that issue and that's about that issue. I think it's kind of a a story that can be uh, uh, it could be easily interpreted as many things. Like you could say oh yeah. this is you know I can see a bit of this in the story. I can see a bit of you know social media you know controlling people's lives these days. They're making it harder and harder for people to. At first of all, get off the site, and second mm-hmm. of all, like um, you know, like even companies like Audible, like I, I don't know if you've ever been on Audible before, but yeah. it is so hard to cancel your subscription to get off Audible. It's insane. I could not figure out how to do it. I, just, I had to <laughs> cancel my credit card just to get get rid of it. It was insane. Like how hard they oh, make no. it to. Well, not only that, but they send you after you do cancel, they're like, "Hey, come back. We'll give you free credits." Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and it's just stuff like that. Just like um, the, you know, this constant, this like society of constant affirmation that we're stuck in, and just how things like Facebook and Instagram and all that they prey on it. They actually had to make in Australia for like just mental health reasons. Like Instagram in Australia doesn't actually tell you how many people have liked the photo. So if you mm-hmm. go through your um, through your news feed, Instagram, it won't say how many likes your photo has for everyone because... Be- yeah, they changed that over here too. Oh, they've done that too, yeah. 
because yeah, there'd be people that would be just you know like trying you know it's just like that's what they base their whole social value off of is you know things of like you know how many people like my photo and it's just uh, you know the rise in depression in children it's just like you can see the clear correlation between this need for uh just attention and uh i don't know what's the word sorry it's kind of left me but the need for uh fuck i can't think validation validation that's the one yeah the need for validation yeah it's just and you can see it like not only in social media too but uh something like video games where you have these kids pouring so much money into uh like digital skins or uh, like colors and different weapons and stuff but they put so much um emphasis on it because of that money and that time spent it's yeah it's very very strange yeah and there's no way to disconnect or get away from it nowadays yeah yeah well even like um like i had a a little cousin who like he was going to school and he was getting bullied because uh like he wasn't allowed to play minecraft after like 6 30 or something like that because it was like dinner time and then you do your homework and like the kids at the school like literally said oh you can't play with us in the playground because you're not allowed to play minecraft after 6 30 and stuff like that it's like just insane levels of like uh like social isolation for like the most meaningless things like i remember yep. when i went to school you know like in the in the early 2000s like like i i could not imagine a time where i was like maybe like if there was something that like I didn't get along with the kid personality wise, maybe you wouldn't hang out with them. Like if you had like a bit of a grading personality, but to be completely removed from like a, a whole social group just because you can't play a specific game and like it's insane. Exactly. It's up. And it's not something like the way I read this uh, term proselytism on online was that it's like a forced conversion. And in the way that I was thinking, it's not necessarily the same, but with this, it's because of so many different things that are pushing putting pressure on people to be involved in they're they're being forced into it in different ways it's very uh it's re- it's really negative i think it impacts yeah, it, everybody yeah there's like a but it's uh, been perpetuated by us since what 2008 is kind of when everything blew up yeah like with social media yeah you can't do anything like even like like i barely even use my facebook and my instagram for anything except for the band stuff but you can't like if you don't have facebook you can't even do anything with with you know like your band and stuff like it'd be so hard to grassroots that just through posters and if you don't have it no one's going to look for anything through any other means of facebook spotify or instagram it's just there's just no there's there's, there would be no way to get out there now without using any of that stuff unless you're like ramstein putting a giant cigarette with the r on there through germany but everyone already knows who ramstein (laughs) is so it doesn't you know it's not even like a, a a comparison is it it's, it's all quite worrisome. I've just seen it change, like even in myself. Um, for a long time, I was spending a lot of time on Instagram, um, taking pictures of basically every instance that I had uh, or that I was part of. So every concert, every uh, vacation, every time I hung out with friends and family, there'd be pictures, pictures, pictures. So I was living through that and trying to project a persona that really wasn't me. And then yeah. I just always felt empty. Yeah, kind of like there's there's almost like a there's like a social coercion there that isn't purposely perpetrated by everyone that's doing it, but mm-hmm. because humans are you know for you know generations and generations we've always been social creatures and we always fit into cultural norms. Like say like you look at the Mongolians how they used to elongate their skulls with like ropes and all that, and people back then they'd be like oh you know you'd look at that and it would seem so you know 
completely different to your culture and you wouldn't understand why, but because that's what you've been brought up with, this is what your social norm is. So that's what you do. And I think that's what's kind of happening with Instagram and all that. It's just like, oh, well, this is how everyone lives. So that's yeah. that's what I have to do to fit in. And then you've got the added aspect of, you know, the people that, you know, are always got like, oh, I'm driving around in their probably rented Lamborghinis and stuff like this. And then everyone's like, oh, well, this is what I have to do to be successful. I have to yeah. have a Lamborghini until I'm happy, which is just completely false because it's just never going to make you happy. And it's like the the level of celebrity that people um, try to attain from so, or on social media. I think it's magnified like exponentially just because you see everything around the world, not just in your local area anymore or whatever Hollywood's pushing. It's everything on the planet. Yeah, and it's kind of pushing towards like more of a, especially it seems like in the young generation, younger generations, like everyone's you're losing like um like a, a cult, like a proper culture, like a, a like a, a like what a Canadian culture would have been twenty years ago. What a you know a English or a German or a Japanese culture. They're kind of all mm-hmm. slowly melding into one because it, it's like a world culture now, which isn't so much of a bad thing, but it's a little shame to see you know some of those you know traditional things kind of disappear as well. That are probably I've, I've, I'm not talking about anything specifically, but you know I see my I feel like. You know, we're definitely moving further and further towards a, a word, a world culture, which you know, for art, especially and stuff like that, is kind of, it's kind of a kind of a sad thing, I think. I agree, and I, I would even say the same for things like food, uh, sometimes cultural dress. Like, um, I really enjoy the differences between the cultures, and part of the reason I used to travel so much is, or try my best to travel so much, is so I could see the differences, and I would pointedly go to places that I couldn't understand the language so that I'd feel like a true tourist. And now that every city looks the same, you kind of walk around, you see the same places, the same neighborhoods. You're like, well, I've been everywhere now. Yeah. But that's it. It's, it's, and then at the end of the day, like, you know, with the way that like, uh, like even like fast food and all that's going like, you know, well, who owns the most land in the world? The first is, yep. the, first is the church and the second is McDonald's. So, <laughs> like it's insane. Just like how, like, how the way the world works and I, I don't know, don't even need to get started on, you know, no taxes for religions and stuff. That's yeah. a completely different separate issue that I'm sure everyone's aware of that I don't need to go into. So then when you guys put this record together, were you um, trying to speak about religion specifically or were you trying to address all those things that we've already been chatting about? I think it was, well, it's kind of, it's kind of a weird dynamic. So the album was almost finished when, um, uh, we parted ways with our old vocalist and D-Mac had joined. So mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of the themes had already been set. So it was kind of like D-Mac's, like the, the lyrics are almost kind of D-Mac's interpretation as well on top of yeah. the kind of themes that I had, we'd already associated with the music through all the sampling and stuff that's in there, you know, all like, cool. the, the, um, like the cult leaders and stuff that are at the end of the songs and like the intro and all that. So it was kind of his interpretation of our view of what the album was about. So it's kind of in a, in a cool way, it's, it's kind of evolved from, it was mostly a um, kind of a take on the difference between uh, the, the like the very little difference between the way a corporation would control you through making you feel bad and fear like, like Catholic guilt kind of thing, making you Mm -hmm. feel bad. If you don't have the newest fucking iPhone 10X blender or whatever, and you know it's the same thing. It's you know, 
you know how as a catholic you'd be made to feel bad for not paying tithe but even though it says in the bible that um like oh not 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 the bible i'm not catholic but you know it basically says that jesus doesn't want your money give to king herod what is king herod's because it's not jesus's face on the coin and just little things like that you know just how they use guilt to you know make people you know give money and stuff essentially and control people through that because if in this world if you control people's finances you essentially control a lot of the circumstances of their life unfortunately do you think they go that route um, partly because it's easy to prey on people's empathy and like, say, for example, it's the same as like letting somebody down slowly. You don't really hurt their feelings. You kind of make them feel away, but you don't, you're not explicit in your message, I guess. It's kind of like pushing them without actually forcing them. Yeah, I think it's kind of, um, it's kind of an act of slowly, isol- like slowly isolating people into an it's a way of thinking, like slowly pushing them down there, down, yeah, very gradually just saying, oh, you know, oh, you know, it's not that bad. And then be like, you then eventually get to the point of, you know, especially with targeted advertising, you're just like, oh, I have to get that new shoe. I have to get that new this. I have to get that new that. And it's just got, I think it's, it is very controlling. I'm, I'm definitely not about the whole, like the, the targeted advertising, you know, Facebook with the, the voice recognition, they hear you talk about something and then you've got it in your newsfeed 10 seconds later to buy. It's just, or even like in America when they like the, they had the thing with the elections with Trump, how they just targeted ads at people to harden their world views so they'd vote for yep. something else, even a lot of it's misinformation or it's like just one side of the story and they just constantly feed people with just. There's, there's no, you don't see left, right and center. You just see what you've looked up and they just constantly harden everyone's worldviews. They're just so disconnected between everyone, you know, instead of just saying, okay, well, you've got a bunch of posts of some like hectic right wing shit going on. How about I give you some center posts of maybe some, you know, more realistic humani- views of humanity or, you know, the opposite, you know, the extreme left-wing stuff and then just keeps feeding a more extreme left-wing propaganda. Either way, you know, that's just, it's not healthy. No, it's not. <laughs> like, it's, it's just, with- you shouldn't be living in a world with, like, zero resistance because that's when you end up with, you know, things like Nazi Germany where it's just, like, you're just fed this way of life, this way of life, this way of life, and then eventually no one questions it and then terrible things can happen well like and as you mentioned earlier everything is on facebook and instagram and spotify and if you didn't have these like gigantic convenient places for people to look for whatever um they wouldn't look elsewhere they like they like everything in one spot and now that they're controlling what's on these platforms it's further and further censored and i guess further and further from the truth in a lot of cases yeah exactly well so even like if you were to like say like facebook reach if we look at the Facebook reach, if I was to post like a a song release and it was the the video on Facebook, the amount of views that video would get on Facebook would be way more than if I posted a YouTube link because they cut the reach because they don't want you to send people to YouTube because it's a rival. Uh, so they want you to spend more time on their platform specifically rather than linking them all together. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you have a mm. link, like say if I post like a, a, a status or whatever and it's got a YouTube link in it, it will reach significantly less people than a post that doesn't have a YouTube link in it because it's not it's not enticing people to leave Facebook, essentially. Hmm. 
Well, that's disconcerting for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, to move on. So um, I love the album cover. It's pretty cool. I love the priest. Now, the question I have is, is he filling his head with uh, quote unquote knowledge or is he pulling the bullshit out, which is why he can now see properly? Um, I think it's actually kind of more just just like controlling the mind. Mm. Like I, I'm not because we just kind of sent uh, Vladimir Chebikov, the the man who uh, did the artwork is a, yep. a fella from uh, lives in uh, like a Dyatlov in Russia, so it's a nice cold place for some grim artwork. Um, he does have some very grim artwork. Yeah, it's, it's very, so cool. Very interesting style. But um, yeah, like the the idea of the the miasmas coming out of the Pope figure's head or whatever he is a bishop maybe was actually his artistic idea because we originally we had kind of a different frame that we wanted to have the art in but it just wasn't it was kind of messy like the the end product wouldn't have really conveyed the message that we wanted as much as you know what he ended up coming up with which was something that kind of looked cool but you could still kind of see that you know there's there's some control there he's kind of standing above you know puppet master imposing um but it still looks like grim so you get the you know the the aspect of it also like it being a supernatural story not just the a pure commentary you know it's still a bit of a it's still a bit of a ride it can be enjoyed enjoyed literally but also like it can just be enjoyed as a story for those who aren't so politically inclined mm-hmm. i think that's important too because you don't want to alienate some people and i mean other people just get offended for the sake of being offended but oh yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> So how did you guys come up with the um, the art concept? Did you um, did you take like your lyrics and put everything together, or did you kind of just have a brainstorming session and talk about what it what it kind of meant to you? Uh, we actually we had the art a long time before the album was finished because we were supposed to release say an, an EP um, early twenty nineteen, and that's yep. when we had the art made for it. But it was just time constraints and things happened, and we just the the EP just ended up turning into an album. So the EP was originally supposed to be the last two singles re-released before the um before the album stuff now. And then it was supposed to be the first four tracks of the album. And then it all kind of blew out. And then we just took those got it just kept those two older tracks as old tracks, ended up rewriting a whole new album. So it was we like we kind of already had the artwork sitting there for so long. So yeah. like it was like so it was kind of based off the idea of proselytizing, you know, I guess, yeah, putting putting words in people's ear, putting ideas in people's ears and stuff, but not quite, not 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 so deliberate at, at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so you guys have made a lot of changes over time uh, since you've been around. And one change that I'm a huge fan of is your logo. Um, how did you go about changing that and why? Um. Well, we just kind of, we just thought people was like starting to get confused, especially like when we started going heavier as a band, bands. Okay. Um, it was like getting harder to like, we we're getting asked to play like a lot more with metalcore bands and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, you know, we're trying to get on tours with, you know, bigger, like heavy bands. And it was just like, people would see the logo and it just kind of pass, uh, pass it away. Cause they'd be like, oh, well, that, that doesn't look like a heavy band. So we kind of had to, 
plus plus the the, the new logo looks way sick, way better. But um, yeah, oh yeah, one hundred percent. Decided that oh well, maybe we should we're doing a new style, uh, which you know we're growing in our style of music. We should probably update the logo to match with that. So are you guys still using your uh, band sigil that you used to have on your albums? Uh yes, but in a very like it um it's it that's evolved too. Like we don't really have the ring around it anymore, but it's on mm-hmm. if you see a like a profile picture on Facebook, it's kind of over the art on that. So it's a bit more it's kind of the same, like it's a bit more death metal, you know, all the webs and slime, I don't know how you'd call it. <laughs> gore. <laughs> So with these changes and then in combination with uh, like the personnel changes and stuff, is it, did you guys consider that something of a rebrand? Yeah, in a way. Well, because um, I'm not the original guitarist per se. So Patrick, our other member, he was the original guitarist and the band always had one guitarist. Mm -hmm. So I I guess I'm technically the original second guitarist, but I wasn't there when the band was formed per se. Like I came about three or four years into the band and then, like our, our, obviously our sound begin to, begun to change once you know like I started injecting my influences and then you know we started you know we had Simonis Mertes which was kind of a like the first kind of combination of mine and Pat's writing styles you know it was a bit more Patrick than it was me and then mm-hmm. the new album's kind of more like a 50-50 or like we've written it together instead of I've written a riff and given it to him and he's written a riff and given it to me like we wrote it together you know it's kind of more of a cohesive melded style so then we just thought oh we should probably you know update our i guess our our visuals to match you know that the fact that we're kind of trying something different you know it's not the same light that we used to be so it felt like a necessary change then yes yeah fair enough um dmac you're the newest addition to the band um have you been in any other bands um yeah well I was in another band called uh, Worm Tongue before joining okay. Zlight, which is a another sort of deathcore band, but a bit more like a uh, like recent sounding sort of deathcore, as okay. opposed to our sort of brand, Zlight sort of brand of deathcore. But um, yeah, but other than that, I've just done like internet projects and yeah, not not I'm kind of new to the whole uh, music sort of thing. Um, how did you get into doing vocals? Um, good question. Um, I think oh, I started listening to like real, like heavier music, like getting into Cannibal Corpse and all that sort of stuff, and then eventually into Deathcore. And I started listening to a lot of Zayda's uh, Murder, Molotov Solution, Impending Doom. I was kind of like, I want to, I want to do this shit. So I just started practicing, making weird noises in my bedroom while listening to that sort of stuff, and uh, yeah, just kept practicing, and then yeah, eventually learned how to do it. <laughs> did you live with your parents when you were making those noises in your bedroom? Yeah. <laughs> what did they? They were like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> I can only you don't imagine. Understand. Yeah, I only. No, they're, they're, that su- they're supportive of it now. So. That's good. Yeah, that's awesome. So, how did you end up uh, joining Zeolite then? Um, how did I? I think I was playing a lot of uh, Call of Duty, uh, Modern Warfare, with uh, <laughs> my mates in um, To the Grave. Fair enough. And then that, and I think Grant came on one time to play, and we eventually became mates from there. And then Dane from To the Grave, no. Grant, I think you messaged him asking for a vocalist. Yeah, yeah, I was like, because our our, our our older vocalist decided that he, um, he wasn't quite feeling it anymore, so he wanted to leave. And I, I was like, oh, shit, I messaged Dane from To The Grave. I was like, um, you know, shit, who's a good vocalist? Who do we know? And he's like, uh, well, we play like 
Call of Duty every night with D-Mac and he's a sick vocalist. I'm like, yeah, I don't know why I didn't think of that. So I just, <laughs> I just, I just sent, him a, I sent him a message and then two days later, pretty much, he sent us back a indoctrinated. Yeah, indoctrinated. Yeah. Basically, it, pretty much how it is now on the album two days after and that was his um, mm. his trial and then it, it was like, oh, this is fucking sick. So <laughs> it just the rest was just pretty quick from there. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, there are a lot of instances in your music with like long, drawn out uh, growls. Do you and you do this with both like low and high pitch? Yep. Is doing one with the other like harder, or um, like, is there a difference between the two for you? Like vocal techniques, or like? Um, I'm just like I don't know anything about that, but I I can't. I guess I'm just asking. Like, um, is it harder to do high pitch than low pitch? Um, yeah, does one require yeah. more lung out or like air output? Well, for me, when I was when I was learning vocals, I always did like low vocals, mid vocals, and like gutturals and just all that sort of stuff. Like mm-hmm. I never really practiced highs, and I've only sort of just got into it. So, yeah, doing high vocals, like a high pitch sort of stuff, is pretty hard for me. But uh, something I'm working on. And so, how do you push yourself then? How do I push myself? Uh, just to reach those notes. Um, I, I don't know really. I just, I just sort of push my sort of mid vocal range a bit higher and try to make it a sort of high pitch noise and then yeah that's how i sort of sort of do it it's probably like gradual steps over time then hey? it's gradual steps yeah okay like even even my high vocals are not even they're not even really that high they're kind of just like a different sort of sounding mid vocal hmm you know what i mean yeah yeah i've uh yeah, I'm just I'm I'm trying to pay attention more to uh I guess all of the notes in in music especially when talking to to musicians trying to see kind of where they're coming from. So, yeah. knowing nothing about music, it's cool to hear this kind of stuff. <laughs> for sure. Um so Grant, and you play guitars for the band. So, when did you get into guitars? Um well, it's kind of a weird story. So, I used to really like playing guitar hero when I was young. Like, yep. fuck it, loved the shit out of guitar hero. And then I when I was about 16 i'm like oh maybe i should just like try learn the real guitar so i just luckily like i've i picked it up pretty quickly probably because I, I had a fair bit of the motor skills from playing guitar here already like moving my fingers and you know the synchronization between my my head like my picking hand and my um fretting hand but then yeah from there on like my parent like my mother was always into like metallica and stuff and i just naturally grew into lamb of god kill switch engage and other you know heavy music so like i, just, I pretty much just taught myself how to play guitar and play metal couldn't play an acoustic chord if you ask me because i don't know them but <laughs> yeah just pretty much yeah from there from yeah 16 just you know just pushed my way i think i was two or three years into playing guitar i was in my first local band a band called epimetheus which is just like another deathcore band from like years and years ago mm-hmm. and then yeah just... oh, can, I say, can i say something actually yeah uh, the um the band epimetheus was also also one of the other reasons i actually got into vocals because the vocals of that band was fucking awesome prometheus prometheus they have an uh, epimetheus, album called Hel- helvigan i think no, epimetheus Ep- oh epimetheus Oh, I thought you said Prometheus. I was nah. like, I think I know. I think there's a, there's a few Prometheuses around. I think there's probably a thousand of everything. Yeah, <laughs> at this point. But um, so you said you learned to play on your own, then? Yeah, I taught myself. Awesome. Which is- um, so how do you push yourself further as a guitarist? Like, obviously, you've changed musical styles even in Zeolite alone. 
Uh, well, at first it was like I'd just learn songs that were harder and harder, and you just you just slowly get better. But once we started getting like once like I joined Z a lot, like the music's like quite fast. So it's kind of beyond the point where you just get better just from playing. Like you kind of have to like you know sit there with the metronome and like you know because when you're like 280, 300 BPM, it's like a, it's a real grind of just you know just trying to pick fast enough and just or like there's like c- computer programs like Guitar Pro, which is mm-hmm. like um like a MIDI version of guitar, and you can like input tabs in there and it like plays them in real time, so you can like yep. play along to that with a with a click, and you just slowly speed it up and speed it up until you get up to uh, like the correct pace. I guess at the end of the day, but at the same time, because I taught myself guitar for a long time, I had a lot of bad habits. So I used to get a lot of RSI because I'd be using the wrong parts of my arm and stuff to like force speed to, to catch up instead of just having proper techniques. So that's something I've probably been working on a lot over lockdown is better techniques so I don't end up with like carpal tunnel syndrome and shit like that by the time I'm 30. You said you got uh... – you had RSI. What? What's that? That's a repetitive oh. strain injury. Oh, I think we just lost Steve Mac. Sorry, he'll come back. Yeah, he will. That's cool. Um, is sorry, repetitive strain injury. So it's oh, like, okay, it's like a sports injury. It's like um, so it's essentially just from like using like specific muscles too much, and then you just they start to like oh, I guess in a way they wear out and like um like you have like shooting pains in your elbow like a, in mm-hmm. my left hand I actually had it in my wrist elbow and shoulder because I like tensed my arm up really hard when I was playing quick which is not what you do you're supposed to be like fully relaxed so that it um yeah just it does a lot of damage to your tendons and your muscles because they're constantly working really hard and it's not yeah it's not good so other than rest like what what kind of things do you do to um mitigate that pain uh, it's it's literally yeah, it's just either rest or it's like practicing like proper techniques so you're not um, so you're not tensing up to move fast so it's more of a mm-hmm. it's a natural speed like you're actually moving fast um, like gently and not gently but you still got to pick hard but like in a way that you're not forcing it like it's like something that's attainable to you that you can turn on and off you know like a like a like an athlete running versus something like fighting or something like that yeah and and not tense up yeah Hmm, interesting because if otherwise if you like tensing up or if you like yeah if to like say like you're running and you're like super tense you know it's really bad like your muscles are going to wear out faster whereas you know if you're someone that's fit and well practiced you can like sprint stop sprint stop sprint stop and it doesn't really matter whereas me i'd sprint you know cough my guts up sprint cough my guts up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so <laughs> i'm not too familiar with like australian metal um thy artist murder is obviously a huge name uh obviously i know of like tasmania psychroptic um yeah. and i can't remember his name but one of their members is in a newer band called werewolves uh, so uh where are some of us really metal bands yeah he's in everything dave yeah okay. <laughs> in everything oh yeah he's in everything <laughs> um who are some of australia's um or some of who are some of your preferred Australian metal bands? I'd say the preferred. Some of the bigger ones would be like a Aversion's Crown. They're another big one from from Australia, like death metal stuff or oh, deathcore. Uh, some of my favorite bands. That's a hard one. Um, although I thought as murder would be up there. Uh, I've I've been weird. I've been kind of listening to a lot of like metallic hardcore lately from Australia. So like my 
like my brain just goes to that. Like I don't know if it's my favorite stuff, but like the stuff I've been listening to lately is like bands like uh, like Starve, a band called like Nicholas Cage Fighter, which is a pretty fun funny name. But yeah, it's more like yeah, metallic hardcore is what I've been listening to lately. But I don't know I Valiance is probably like one of the sure. big um, Australian bands that doesn't get enough love. Like they they broke up a little bit too early to like really hit the scene because they'd be massive now if they never broke up. But yeah, that's if if that's 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 one to check out. I Valiance. Um, have you guys ever traveled to Tans- uh, Tasmania? Uh, we're f- mostly from Tasmania, funnily enough. Oh, really? Originally, cool. so before I joined the band, the whole band was based in Tasmania, and we've just kind of slowly moved out from there. So it's kind of it's it's weird because when we play shows, like because I've always lived in uh, Melbourne, Victoria, which is kind of it's at the bottom of Australia, but not quite as far down as Tasmania. Um, mm-hmm. We would, you know, if, you, if you're if you a Melbourne band, you play most of your shows in Melbourne and you'd occasionally play interstate show at one of the other states. But being a Tasmanian band, all your shows are interstate. So you play, so I'd be playing in Sydney, Adelaide, Perth, Brisbane as often as I play in Melbourne, which was kind of a weird shock to me because I'm, you know, I, I live in Melbourne. I play most of my shows in my home state. Whereas mm-hmm. playing in a band from Tasmania, all the shows are basically because there's not a lot, like pretty low population density in Tasmania, so there's not a lot going on down there, shows wise. But yeah, it's, it's that 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 kind of threw me when I joined a band from from Tasmania. What's it like living there in Tassie? Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of weird. So it's usually pretty cold, but um. They, they've got a hole in the ozone over Tasmania, so the sun is vicious. Like a 40-degree day here, I'll get sunburnt, but like a 20-degree day in Tasmania, I'll get like really bad sunburn just because the ozone layer is, you know, that's just one thing. But apart from that, like it's really nice and serene. Like the main towns are like so close to like, you know, like nat- like fantastic like nat- nat- natural wonders. Like they've got like beautiful gorges and stuff like that, like mountain ranges. And it's all like so small as well. Like it takes like three hours to drive across the entirety of Tasmania from like the – from like the – like where you get off the boat there or the plane to the bottom in Hobart. Mm-hmm. But there's even like – there's like in um, Hobart, they've got this museum called like the Mona Museum, which is like just full of like all these really, really weird – art exhibits so one of the ones they have there is a like a, a see-through replica of what happens to a human <laughs> stomach and you can feed it and at two o'clock every day it takes a shit that's awesome and it's like the weirdest <laughs> thing yeah and they've like this like it's just like a wall of like uh like v- vagina casts and there'd be uh <laughs> yeah it's like it, it's owned by a um a guy that made all of his money off of gambling. So he just is, he's like a philanthropist, but he makes all his money on gambling. So he just like puts weird shit in there. Cause it's like his pet project. Um, it's like a massive museum. Like it's a big uh, like landmark for the place. It's not like a tiny, like a, like a shop or something. Like it's a full on structure. Like it's legitimate, but he has these tablets, like, like a Samsung tablet and you can vote on which art exhibits you like the most. Yeah, and the ones that get really high view, like really high votes, he just takes them away. I think, <laughs> I think the world needs more places like that. I love whenever I travel, I like to find the weirdest, most unique places, and that sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just designed to make you feel uncomfortable. Like I don't know if you've ever heard of the Dark Mofo Festival, is in Tasmania. 
So that's like um, it's like a almost like it's an art festival that they have in Hobart, which is done by this guy, and they do like really really weird stuff. Like they'll have um, like they have like one like the whole town will just be like decked out. They'd be like fucking like horse corp, not horse corpses, but like um like. I know it's hard to explain. It's really hard to explain. It's just like the whole town just becomes this art exhibit for like all this really dark art. And yeah, it's like kind of like Burning Man, but if it was in like Norway, but it's in Australia. <laughs> that sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's a very weird, eclectic taste where like, you know, there's just, it's, it's so hard to explain. Like if, like I definitely that, that'd be something that I would suggest just looking into because it's such a cool thing. Like they, yeah. the, for the variety of artists they get down there as well. Like it's not just like, there's just one night where they'll have like metal bands, but other nights they'll have like a, like a one time they had like St. Vincent and stuff like that, which is like a, like a quite a prominent pop artist and stuff. They'll have come down just like really kind of more artsy music, not really anything that's straight. Like it'd be like, um, like really like influential like a industrial techno band or something they'll have them like some real like you know like pioneer type music rather than just like the run of the mill stuff it's it's very interesting uh concept that they do there but yeah it's just all this guy just blowing all of his money on just weird shit it's insane <laughs> i feel like they all blow their money on weird shit but <laughs> yeah, but like he, he, very, he like decks out like the town of Hobart with the amount of money he's spending on weird shit. Like, this is like a full-on proper city. It's, how long does the festival, or how do, how long does that last? For? It goes for a week in in, cool. in winter. So for us, it's like uh, July, like June, June, July. Yeah. How cold does it get down uh, in Tasmania in the winter? Uh, depends. Like if you're in Launceston, which is at the top, like it's still like you'd be hitting like zero Celsius and stuff. But okay. I think um, my Hobart that you'd start to get like getting the negatives in winter at night. I think the day is not so bad, but um, but you'd be around like the ones and twos in in like the really deep winter. Hmm. Like that actually, sounds quite nice. Yeah, it's not. It's not like like it's not like um like North America and Canada where it's like fucking proper like negative freezing. We don't get any of that here. Like even like our like our mountains where we go ski, like that you can only go there like two, three months a year because the rest of the snow season is just like not cold enough. I mean there's a, I guess there's benefits to having really cold climate, but I can't think of too too many. Also I prefer the cold to the heat. Like I'd much rather like but then again I've never really experienced like fucking like negative 20 celsius or whatever you know like walking around in a freezer like an industrial size <laughs> freezer i imagine that's what it's like it's nice for about 10 minutes and it's refreshing and then i imagine it's miserable after that well i mean if, if if it's cold that's one thing and that's you can put layers on you can throw in a hat some mitts and all that stuff but it's when when the wind starts to pick up it cuts right through the clothing it goes up your shirt or sorry up your jacket down your pants everything and it's terrible and it hurts your face yeah because you'd have like a like it like takes skin off and stuff when it's that cold doesn't it? you get like frostbite yeah if you're if you don't cover up for sure but i tend not to spend too much time outside in the winter um when sorry what were you gonna ask uh oh no nothing in particular i don't even know i was i was just looking at i was just fixated and looking at all this shit they have on a dark mofo last year it's just, <laughs> it's just weird it's so strange all the stuff they have there 
Have you guys ever traveled to the Outback? Uh, uh, we've played a show before Daniel with, uh, was with us. We played a show in Alice Springs, which is kind of uh, three hours south of like Uluru, if you know what Uluru is, like the, the big rock in the middle of Australia. No, not particularly. Uh, so like be. it's the world's largest rock and it's just like a giant rock. Like, it looks like a mountain, but it's just a giant rock in the like a giant red rock in the middle of a fucking desert. But um, yeah, like you don't really go out there, like because there's like there's the outback and then there's kind of like the outback, if you know what I mean. Like there's um, like you can kind of like it, to get to the bush in Australia is not really far away because we have we've only got like twenty twenty five million people in the entirety mm-hmm. of Australia and Australia. And they're all in like the four main cities, pretty much. Yeah, five five six ish but yeah there's yeah. there's there's three really big ones like the east coast like brisbane uh sydney melbourne are like the three big ones and the other ones are kind of a bit smaller but like yeah they're, i don't know like basically like australia is pretty close to the same size as like the usa mm-hmm. but just the most of it is not habitable because it's just desert in the middle and the fact that oh, there's only 22 million of us instead of like 380 million, you know, it's like, it's like to get to places where it's not really habited, it doesn't really take long, like two, three hours out of the city and you could be, you know, dodging kangaroos on the freeway if even that far. <laughs> that sounds so strange, but we're dodging moose, so. Yeah. <laughs> Are there many people that go and actually explore like quite far into the outback? Nah, not really. Like, there's just nothing to see out there. Like, because it is, mm-hmm. it is a lot of it. Like, depending where you go, like, there's, there's obviously, like, in like Darwin, which is like up north, there's a lot of like, like beautiful waterfalls and stuff. But even then, that's kind of the coast, because once you start getting really inland, there's like less and less like uh, the water. So there's just it's just sand and like, like really bare trees. Like, there's not actually a lot to go and see. And it's really dangerous as well because there's no petrol stations or anything like that. It's so easy to get lost and because you can't find water to drink, like yeah. people people just die so easily. It's basically going into the desert, but the desert's really, really big. Yeah, exactly. There's pretty much no way. And it takes forever for you guys to travel, like I guess from one side of the country to the other because you have to drive pretty much all the way around it, right? Yeah, you can't drive through it. And even then, like it's usually like, if I was like I, oh, I'll put in the maps right now because I live in Victoria, which is like the bottom right of Australia. And if I was to drive to like the main city on the left side of Australia, it would take me. Would that be Perth then? Yes. So if I was okay. to drive from my house to Perth uh, right now, it would take me. Well, it's finding the best route. Thirty-seven hours. 37 hours that takes and, me almost all the way across the country and that's Here. and that's no stops so it'd take you you'd have to, because there's like no petrol stations like my car wouldn't even make it probably like that take realistically it's about a four or five day drive <laughs> yeah that doesn't sound fun i'd rather just fly yeah it well even it's even like a it's still a uh four and a half hour flight to get over there Mm-hmm. so like it's it's pretty yeah, it's pretty far away like it's quite vast like it's actually most of the time because domestic flights within australia are very expensive it's almost cheaper to fly to like indonesia than it is to fly to western australia strangely enough it's the exact same here i can go to 
like I've gone to Asia for, you know, a thousand bucks Canadian, but I can barely go to Toronto for the same thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot more expensive than a thousand. Oh, actually, no, Perth, Perth would be about 900. But I don't know what the difference between Canadian money and Australian money is. I'm assuming yours is probably worth more than ours because that's usually the way. I don't know, to be honest, either. It's been a long time since I've had to convert uh, to Australian dollars. But um, speaking of flying and everything, you guys obviously have no issues scheduling tours within your own country. But how is it like your tours internationally always have to be overseas? So is that difficult to schedule or? Oh, it's very expensive. Like doing anything mm-hmm. overseas from Australia is just so expensive all the flights out, um, like accommodation, all that. It's because, or even like coming here, like people coming here to tour, if anything, is probably the, like the worst. Like for, for, I, cu- I couldn't imagine for like a, like a band to fly to Australia to play shows. Like you've only got five cities you can hit realistically. And there's not like, unless you're like huge, there's not going to be more than like a thousand people at those shows. Even then, like that's pretty high. And like just to make your money back to come to Australia is a really hard thing just because the cost of everything here is so expensive. Like, it, like if you're a band that smokes cigarettes, bucks, like a pack of cigarettes here for like 25 is like 40 bucks. Jesus. And, I, and I've just looked and uh, yeah. Like not, 20, 25 cigarettes is 40 bucks. Yeah. And 91 Canadian cents buys an Australian dollar. So it's basically the same. So that's just how much tax is on it. And like Jesus. alcohol, like a bottle of Jack Daniels is like 50 bucks, like a straight bottle, like 700. Just mil. like a 750 mil. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So like we've got very high tax, even like fast food, which is a good thing actually. Like fast food. Yeah, I agree. Like the fast food, like um, if I was to go to McDonald's, like a, a Big Mac meal is going to cost me $14, like a large meal. And that's tiny compared to what I've seen from overseas. Like the, that's like a, like 600 mil worth of like soft drink and like, I don't know, maybe fucking 200 grams of chips maybe at best Mm -hmm. so that's a good thing because you see a lot like in america especially like it's cheaper to eat fast food than it is to eat healthy because of the way that everything's designed over there which is just put such a strain on their health system because like it you you can't afford to eat healthy over there unless you're fortunate like it's so hard whereas here you know, they purposely make it so much more expensive. So there's an incentive to eat healthy. Well, and I think there's also issues with like the healthcare systems, like in Australia. And if I'm wrong, please correct me. You guys have like a two tier system where most of a lot of it is public, but you have the option of having private. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much you can get any, nearly anything on, on for free, but mm-hmm. there's just wait lists or you can have private health insurance as well, which isn't really yeah. that expensive. Like mine's everything except for hospital cover is like 60 bucks a month. So I'm... That's worth more than a bottle of Jack to me, so... Yeah, so that's like I recently had to get my... um, Like I had to get two teeth pulled out. I had to get like, uh, like 14 fillings. And that would have cost me $2,000, which even probably by world standards is cheap to get two teeth surgically cut out and 14 fillings. And it ended up mm-hmm. costing me like 600 bucks with private health because of the rest of it got rebated. That's great. So even there... I think one like of the that's... problems with the States is, uh, is the fact that they don't really have that public option. I think it's yeah. all, like they're incentivized to eat like shit and make those poor decisions. And then they also, they also don't have the healthcare to cover it 
so it's a double whammy for them. That's kind of the thing, though, because the tax that we pay on the fast food and stuff like that is what pays for all that stuff. Like the reason why cigarettes mm-hmm. are so high is as well, if you want to pay for cigarettes and put the burden on the health system for cancer, then you're going to pay for it kind of kind of thing. I feel like that's a mentality and a conversation that should be had uh, more commonly, I guess. Yeah, but then they just go, oh, you're a communist over there. <laughs> you know what? I, I live in... Okay, so I'm not a communist, clearly. Um, I have a lot of issues with government control and all that stuff. Yeah. And um, I, I don't like the way the vaccine was rolled out, not because I think the vaccine is necessarily bad. I just don't like the mandates that come behind it. Yes, now, I'm with you on that. There's the ethics of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but now the other side of things is to live in a community, especially a large community with millions of people, you need to sacrifice some of those things and you need to be able to play nice with others. And if some of that means supporting those people that can't, sure, but they better support me in, in return. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, it's a community that has to look after each other. Otherwise, this is going to crumble. Exactly. And people just don't understand how fragile society is. Like realistically, like look at uh, like Nashville and like how you know, people dying because they went a few days without power just because they did just the way the whole system works over there. They just didn't have the resources to fix it. And it's just like, we're just losing power for a couple of days. You know, it, does, it can cause so much damage, you know, if you don't have heat and stuff, especially in like cold yep. places. Imagine, you know, like what's going to happen if there's complete societal collapse because everyone gets too sick to work or whatever. But I know there's also the other aspect of, you know, there's just so much misinformation on the internet these days or even mm-hmm. on the news now that you just don't, you, it's so hard to even figure out who you believe, you know, like this, there's probably a kernel of truth in most things, but it's just, yeah, finding that middle ground. And But because everything is so targeted, you just get fed the same narrative. You don't really get to grow that whole, whole glass uh, point of view of everything. You just get one side and that's it and then that side fights the other side because they both think they're right and they both think the other side's being lied to and not only that but they're fed the information so quickly like we we circle back to this but if you go if you go into instagram and you click on two pictures you normally never would your whole search feed is now filled with that types of oh yeah yeah definitely it's It's insane it's so invasive it's ridiculous but now, to get away from uh, the social media aspect of things and the negativity, uh, who are some of your favorite bands to tour or play a show with? Um, well, for years and years, like my my favorite two bands were The Black Dahlia Murder and Aborted, and I got to mm-hmm. tour with both of them in 2018. So that was pretty much like a dream come true. I probably could have like called the quits then and there because that was like <laughs> that was it's going to be pretty much impossible to top. But like I think. I know it's weird, like especially in Australia, when you're touring, you don't really see the other bands that much because there's so much travel time between shows. Everyone's always so jet lagged as well because you know it's it. There's five there's five main shows you can really get without starting to lose money on or pretty much because just all the small towns in between are so small. You get fucking forty to a hundred people there. It's not really worth going almost. Mm-hmm. And there's so far between towns. Like you'd go from Brisbane to Sydney, which is an eight-hour drive. Then you drive eight hours from uh, to from Sydney to Melbourne, and then eight hours from Melbourne to fucking to Adelaide. 
you know, like it's you're basically pulling double shifts then. Yeah, yeah. Or or you can fly through it all as well, but then you got to get an early flight, and even then, like the flight's like an hour and a half. Then you get there, you eat food, you don't really see like the other bands. It's not like when you're like in Europe or something like that, and you're all like on van, like in a van, and you you know have days off and stuff like that. Like you don't mm-hmm. really get days off here. It's just not phys- fiscally possible. Like you just you just lose money with the day off. So with the, uh, for lack of a better term, isolation um, that Australian bands have to deal with, like, do you hear a specific sound or, yeah, I guess a specific sound that's kind of coming out of Australia or something, a lot of influences within Australian metal? Oh, I think these days, like a lot of, a lot of younger bands are being influenced by like bands, like, I don't know if you've heard of Alpha Wolf and stuff like that. Like the more metalcore scenes kind of really influenced by, um, like those kinds of bands and that kind of like new metal cross metal core stuff, but more in the death core world, I wouldn't really say there's anything new coming out of Australia per se. That's like not in the rest of the world. Like I early on Australian death core, like you had like the red shore signal, the firing squad, uh, Boris, the blade and that kind of stuff, you know, the whole like mm-hmm. machine gun breakdown, like that, that really came from Australia and kind of, ruminated around the world like the kind of breakdowns like the really fast ones Mm -hmm. so i'd say that's kind of like a a really australian thing that came and you know ruminated elsewhere but apart from that i don't really think there's um well with ida's moon you could probably put them in there too um i wouldn't say there's any kind of thing that's like particularly australian in our death core but i don't know like I, i don't listen to heaps of it either like so i'm not i'm not sure Maybe maybe Dmac has a better answer. No, maybe he doesn't. Nope. <laughs> He's probably fair smoking, enough. smoking a dart. <laughs> fair enough. Awesome. Well, is there anything else you guys would like to cover? Uh, no, I think that's about it. I think um, that's you know pretty much the whole, the whole the whole spiel of what the album's about. If you had any more questions, I'm happy to answer them. But I don't think I think that's about it. Yeah, I think for right now, I'm all tapped out, but uh, I definitely will have uh, questions in the future for you guys. Yeah, for sure, man. I'm down for a chat anytime. I'm pretty pretty crazy. Sounds great. Um, now, as far as getting to your music, uh, fans can check out your website, your Spotify, your Bandcamp. Um, where else would be good for you guys? Uh, we got YouTube. Yeah, YouTube, Spotify, Bandcamp, even like, you know, as, as we talked about before, like Instagram, Facebook, it's all like you know at least if you get there you can find um you know the other stuff pretty easy you know you just mm-hmm. gotta the only thing with the name being after a mineral that people use for face wash which is a new thing since the band started is it's kind of sometimes hard to find our <laughs> band name or like it's funny a few years ago we used to have um a a water purifying company in india used to keep on buying likes for their page Except yeah. for they kept on buying it for our page by accident. So we had to go through and like delete all these like fake likes that have been liking us because it ruins your reach because you send you go give you put a post out and then it like sends that post to all the people that are new that like your page, except for they're all fake accounts, so no one sees anything. So we had to go through and like all the time and like delete all these fake accounts to say like um like Zealite like a South India water purifying company or something like that. We're like, oh, okay, well, let's, let's you got the wrong zeolite here. <laughs> yeah, that'd be definitely some interesting advertising. 
Yeah. Oh, we get tagged in weird shit all the time, like face masks or like a, like fucking special dog food and shit. Like that. That's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> and like, uh, it's the wrong zeolite, but or even like people were like um doing like fitness posts and stuff about you know how they've like taken their zeolite today, and it's just like they've just accidentally like tagged us. <laughs> This is pretty funny. That's awesome. That sounds like a great meme too. Have you taken your zeolite today? Yeah. Well, if if the thing is like most people still don't know what zeolite is, so like it's not it's not caught on quite enough yet that it like it would be it'd get it'd be a good gag. So when these artists or when these not artists, um, but when these people on Instagram buy likes, um, they're all, they're generally all bots. I had this ad come up on my Instagram. It's like buy followers. And then you go on this bit, the page and you're thinking, why the fuck would anyone buy followers? But it's like, we're real and all this stuff. And it's like, we don't use bots, but then all of their English is broken and there's no grammar anywhere. It's like, I'm not, would, would that actually do anything for anybody? No, nah, it might make you look more popular, which I think was what, especially like in bands like uh, 10 years ago, that's what they'll do when they buy heaps. Cause it makes you look more popular. So people will like book you. Cause it looks like heaps of people like you. But now, because the all the what they've done with algorithm algorithms and stuff, so like these days, like posts only routinely reach the people that engage with you back in a way. Like it's harder to like reach new people without paying for it, like like paying hmm. boost or whatever. It's like the first people to see your post would be the people that already routinely engaged with it. So if you were hmm. to buy a bunch of post, uh, buy a bunch of followers. And then your posts start going to them. You're essentially doing the opposite. Like you look more popular, but you're reaching less real people. So you're kind of actually stifling your growth instead of growing. Well, that and you're going to look kind of stupid when you start getting booked and then nobody shows up. Well, yeah, that's too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how good or how fun it would be to, pl- uh, to play a show for like five people. Uh, it, it happens. I've, I've been there before. <laughs> Shows with well, I mean, if it happens normally, that's one thing. But if yeah. you're if you're faking your own popularity, like first of all, you're delusional. This is this band know. that was called Threaten. Did you hear about them? Like a couple, I think two years ago. This no. band that like completely made everything up. Like they're like fake following. They doctored fake videos of them playing live to huge crowds, and then they booked this like uh, got this company to book this massive European tour for them. And no one came because no one had heard of them because they're not a real band. Like the band rocked up to play the shows, so they were like thought they'd like full on fake it till they make it, but just no one came to the shows. So there'd be like two people there, and these like bands getting paid like two thousand dollars or who knows how much a night from this booking company, and then they sued them. <laughs> At first, I thought it was going to be like some big troll where they just they just did everything and then just didn't show up. No, nah, they, they showed up. They, 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 they showed up. They, they, they bought everything. Like they bought like a full stage show that they must have paid for somehow. And they fully faked everything, and then just no one rocked up because no one had actually listened to them. You if, know what? They had a solid strategy. If anything, they probably have a following now because they've probably like um they're probably ro- it looks like they've rolled with the joke. And that was threatened. Yeah. So it's uh. T-H-R-E-A-T-I-N. Okay, I've got to look them up. That's hilarious. Yeah, so they've... It actually looks now like they're just running with the joke. But it looks like they've got like mannequins on stage and shit. <laughs> That's awesome. Guys, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Oh, well, it's been great to chat to you, mate. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. 
The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.